Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Let's all please move forward, fill up the gaps as much as we can, sit as close as possible. Barakallahu feekum, jazakumullahu khairah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. واستعمل أبداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى اللهم افتح أقفال قلوبنا بذكرك وأتمم علينا نعمتك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا فتاح يا وهاب يا فتاح يا وهاب يا فتاح يا وهاب افتح لنا جميع أبواب الخير آمين رب العالمين Beloved brothers and sisters and dear listeners We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most gracious most merciful for blessing you and I this opportunity to do i'tikaf in the masjid uh, and disconnect ourselves for some time from our distractions and dedicate this this um, few hours or this day and this day and night to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to allow this to become inshallah a resetter and a rejuvenator for all of us this this coming of ours here whoever is here tonight and who's here for the program is here on invitation by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there are so many thousands and millions who uh, you know, may have uh, been able to or may have been wanting to attend a gathering like this somewhere. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has hand-chosen every one of us here to be here. There are people who are very near but are deprived to attend. And there are people from so far who have attended and who are attending. So we should all feel so special and grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for being given this opportunity. A program like this, a detox retreat, uh, disconnecting from the creation and connecting from the creator, is something that should happen in every single masjid, and should happen across the country in every single area. This is something, I don't think you'll find any, uh, a, a sane Muslim who'll say, I don't need this. Every single individual knows the type of lifestyle we are leading and how we are all suffering so many layers of distractions. And in these multiple layers of distraction, a person forgets also that he's distracted and forgets the fact that, you know, we are lost. You get so lost that you forget you're so lost and you start thinking that you are now actually on a new route. All right, because you've gone so for so long, you're going. You have been. You and I have been going on a different route. We forget that this was not supposed to be the actual route. This is a, we're supposed to be making a U-turn somewhere, but we're not making the U-turn because we've traveled so far. It seems like oh, this is the new route. So the world that we live in is so convoluted and so confusing. Haq has been made batil, batil has been haq. Truth has become falsehood. Falsehood has been made truth. Just. Every gathering we sit and we speak about what's happening in the Muslim world, what's happening in the Holy Lands, what's happening amongst non-Muslim countries and Muslim countries. And just a few hours ago, I was speaking with some, some scholars and I said, you know, it, it's almost as though a, a person sometimes feels 
Although this is the case, this is not the case, but it seems that we are almost at a case where I can kind of understand where the hadith comes, that the bottom or the stomach of the earth is better than the back of the stomach. Meaning it is better to be protected and preserved laying inside the grave than being on top. Because to save your faith and save your iman really is becoming more challenging. And it's not that people are forcing uh, on gunpoint that you leave Islam. It's that shaitan has learned the tricks. And not he knows it from before, but he's now really refined his tricks and applying it fully. And how he is taking a person out of Islam without him even recognizing that. He's making iman, he's so very sly and in a very slick manner, is stealing his iman, stealing his, his sunnah from him, without him recognizing what's going on. And so in this, in this era, this is the type of uh, situation we find ourselves in. A detox retreat is the least we can do. Something we should do for maybe 40 days. Something we should do for a month. Like Ramadan, one month i'tikaf. We can't do that, we're very weak. Well, guess what? At the least is that maybe 24 hours. So let's all thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immensely for, for, for allowing us to be here tonight and make niyyah to be here for the entire program till Maghrib tomorrow. Make niyyah of fasting, inshallah. Tonight we'll wake up early morning to wake up for suhoor and <coughs> participate uh, together collectively in that. And we have an amazing layout of programs uh, from tonight all the way up till tomorrow. Uh, my heart's wish would be that we would have, you know, half of the population here. Because that is what the need is. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has His ways. And it's always been the case that the people who understand the truth and the followers of the truth, their numbers are always less. The majority will go with the flow. And the flow goes towards deviance. You have heard this many times. That akthar is used in the Qur'an and kathir has been used in the Qur'an in a negative context. Meaning majority, a lot, great numbers. They are used in a negative context. And minority and qaleel has been used in a positive context. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يَشْكُرُونَ Majority of the people do not believe. Majority of the people do not comprehend. Majority of the people do not ponder and think. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word qalil, He uses in a positive context. That وَقَلِيلٌ مَاهُمْ وَمَا آمَنَ مَعَهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلٌ وَقَلِيلٌ مِنْ عِبَادِيَ الشَّكُورِ Very few of my believers are, very few of my servants are grateful. Very few are the ones who believed in the message of Nuh alayhi salam. قَلِيلٌ مَاهُمْ There are very few of them who, have, who are guided. Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam, when he was, when his nation opposed him, they said, we don't, we don't want to believe in you. We don't want to have faith in your message. And the reason they said that they don't have, they have a problem with Prophet Nuh was, مَا نَرَاكَ إِلَّا اتَّبَعَكَ أَرَاذِلُنَا بَادِيَ الرَّأِي we see that the people who follow you are the despicable, lowly people who have very shallow thinking.
Those are the type of people that are following you. Aradiluna, the most despicable, lowly ones. Badirai, those who have very fickle-minded, very shallow thinking. So your followers are not sophisticated. Your followers are not very deep philosophical individuals. They're just average people. And your followers are also very few in number. So how can the truth be with you when you have few followers? And so this has been with all the prophets, that the people who understood the message of the prophets were few. And not necessarily the most wealthy and the most powerful and the most well-to-do people. And this became a fitna for the people. They would say, لَوْلَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِّنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٍ Why isn't the Qur'an revealed on a, some powerful, famous individual from one of the two cities of Mecca in Ta'if? They would say that, مَا لِهَذَا الرَّسُولِ يَأْكُلُ الطَّعَامَ وَيَمْشِي فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِ مَلَكٌ فَيَكُونَ مَعَهُ نَذِيرًا Why is that this Prophet is in need of going to earn money and go to the marketplace to buy his own groceries? Why? Why does he not have malakun? Why are not angels coming to, to serve him, surrounded by angels who are his guards, and take care of him? And they warn people that you better believe in him, otherwise you see what we do to you. Why is there a need to go to a marketplace? Why doesn't he not be an owner of many big plantations and gardens? And he's a rich man. He can just go and enjoy gardens. Why does he have to go work hard for his livelihood? وَقَالَ الظَّالِمُونَ And at the end when none of those things worked, the oppressor said, إِن تَتَّبِعُونَ إِلَّا رَجُلًا مَسْحُورًا You are definitely only following a man who is bewitched. That's the last thing. The final thing is, Jadu has been done on him. He has gone mad. He's crazy. He's, he's, you know, he's suffering from sihr. So we, know, we see that the people who followed the prophets were few in number all the time. And the prophets were criticized for them not being powerful materialistically. And not having a lot of wealth. And not having what other people of the dunya had. Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu enters the Prophet sallallahu resting spot, his harum, his house. And he has distanced himself from his wives from some time because he is angry. When he enters his house after much difficulty, not being allowed initially, he sees that the, the straw mat has left impressions on the back of Rasulullah there's not even a sheet between his body, his back, and the straw mat. And Umar anhu gets emotional. And he says, basically the gist of what he says is, how is this fair? How is the most sublime creation of Allah have nothing between him and the floor except for a straw mat, which has now left impressions on his body? While... The leaders of the Persians and the Romans, the Christians and the Zoroastrians are enjoying opulence like never before, are enjoying grand palaces like never before. While the one for whom we, have, we are here 
he is suffering and going through so much difficulty? This is a question. It's a question that gets asked today, all the time, by people. And so when this question was asked to Rasulullah he responded the gist of what he said, Awafi shakkan anta ibn al-Khattab, O son of Khattab, are you still not 100% convinced? Are you suffering some sort of still slight doubt about what we are about? How dare you look anywhere else and compare us to what others have? Do you have any doubt? What are you doubtful about? It doesn't make a difference what they have and what we don't have. We are on the truth, they're on falsehood. Dunya is their paradise while our paradise is yet to come. The dunya is a prison for a believer and a paradise for a disbeliever. Meaning, no matter how much a, a, a kafir will get here, he's not got nothing waiting for him in the akhirah. This is his jannah, this is it. And no matter how much, how less we have in this dunya, no matter how much, how less we have and how much we suffer, guess what? Uh, it doesn't make a difference Tomorrow it's gonna be just Forever Eternity of enjoyment You have heard this hadith Tens of times Dunya is a prison for a believer Ulama have explained That means One explanation Is that no matter how Luxurious the life of a believer is It is still a prison Compared to what awaits him In akhirah and no matter how difficult a life of a disbeliever is, it is still a paradise compared to the ter- terror that awaits him in the hereafter. A, it's mentioned in the books that a muhaddith, scholar of hadith, was, was traveling on a very expensive horse, wearing very nice clothing. And he passed by a shoemaker on the street who was at the lowest end of the of the socioeconomic ladder being paid pennies having a very hard job in the heat sitting there on the street corner make, you know fixing people's shoes so as a scholar went by he murmured something so he turned around and said did you say something he said yeah i said something he said what is it he said i said that i heard that you muslims say that your prophet said that dunya is a prison for a believer in a paradise for a disbeliever. What prison are you living in? And what paradise am I in? How does this add up? And the response he gave was, what I just said right now, that no matter how much of a luxurious life I may lead, it's still a prison if I die with iman compared to what is awaiting for me in the akhirah. And no matter how difficult your life may be here, if you die with kufr, what waits for you in the akhirah, in, re, in, in comparison to that, you are in paradise. That's one meaning. And another meaning is, that for a mu'min, it's a sijin, meaning like a prisoner cannot do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, howsoever he wants. He must follow the rules of the prison warden, and he must follow the rules of the prison. He cannot eat as he wishes, when he wishes, dress as he wishes, when he wishes, but must follow the rules of the jail. 
Similarly, a believer cannot follow the whims and desires of himself or of anyone else. He cannot go with the flow, cannot go with the dictates of his culture, but must do what Allah and His Rasul have taught him to do. Period. Even though you may not feel like it. And a disbeliever is living in paradise, meaning, like in paradise a person may do whatever he wants, a disbeliever since his paradise is right here and not there, he may do whatever he wishes, as he wishes, whenever he wishes, because this is his 15 seconds or 15 minutes of enjoyment. And after that, unfortunately, if he doesn't get iman, it will be an eternity of punishment. So beloved brothers and sisters, what we are saying is, that this is the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the people of belief, people of understanding are few. And the people who follow desires and do what they want are many. And this does not affect the truthfulness of the deen. This does not affect the truthfulness of revelation. You have 99, there's a hundred people, there's a fire started, Allah forbid, in a building. And there is one who is the manager of that building. And the rest are guests who have come and rented the spot or attending a banquet in that building. Everyone is running for their life. The manager who works there, who knows the floor plan like the back of his hand, starts running in one direction, while all the guests start running in a different direction. You are a guest and you see what to do, what to do, what to do. And you see the manager who you know personally is going that direction. You tell me what you're going to do. You're not going to say everyone is going here. You'll say, right, the one who knows the floor plan is the manager. It doesn't make a difference if he's alone. He's running for his life. I'm going to follow him. Allahu Alam, where this is, these people are headed. They don't know. This is the first time they're in this building. They are trying to run away, but they don't know where they're headed. So we are not going to get deceived by the kathra and the abundance of the people on, the, on one side. We will want to follow the one who knows how to get out of the building even if he's alone. Similarly, we cannot be deceived by the abundance of the people following the ways of the disbelievers, the ways of popular culture, the ways of, 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 of you know, various types of norms. And instead we should look at what Allah and His Rasul have taught us. And that's what we hold on to. And beloved brothers and sisters, that is why these type of resetting retreats and detox retreats are of absolute importance for us to be able to recalibrate our compass and to remind ourselves that inshallah if we follow the Quran and Sunnah antumul a'launa in kuntum mu'mineen if you will become true believers you will always be on top Allahu waliyu alladheena amanu Allah is the caretaker and the friend of the believers that's it ni'mal mawla wa ni'mal nasir he is the best of caretakers and the best of helpers and so <clears throat> What I need to do, De- clear, clear up my mind and understand where I'm headed. 
Allah Jalla Jalalu mentions in Surah Muzammil Ya ayyuhal Muzammil Qumil layla illa qalila Nisfahu aw inqus minhu qalila Aw zid alayhi warattilil qur'ana tartila Inna sanulqi alayka qawlan thaqila Inna nashiatan laylihi ashaddu wat'an wa aqwa muqila Inna laka fin nahari sabhan tawila Wadhkur isma rabbika Watabattal ilayhi tabtila Allah Azza wa Jal mentions Oh the one who has enveloped himself in a garment, in a mantle, in a blanket. Stand up at night. Stand up the entire night. Except for a little amount of the night in which you rest. Stand up half of the night. Or reduce it, not the half night, then a little bit less than half. Or a little bit more than half. وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا And recite the Qur'an Appropriately, properly, with tajweed, with the proper places that you stop With waqf, proper waqf, proper tajweed, proper makharij, proper sifat, proper attributes إِنَّا سَنُلْقِي عَلَيْكَ قَوْلًا ثَقِيلًا Indeed, we shall سَنُلْقِي عَلَيْكَ We shall give you Place upon you Qawlan thaqila A very heavy speech Quran is heavy Quran has the ability to Bring mountains to ashes Law anzalna hadha al-Qur'ana Ala jabal La ra'aytahu khashi'an Mutasaddi'an Min khashyatillah if we were to reveal the Qur'an in its original form, in the way it is, upon a mountain, you would have seen that this mountain would begin to tremble. Mutasaddi'an, it would fall and would break into dust. Out of the awe and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the Qur'an. So we are going to give you, Ya Rasulullah, a very heavy speech. Indeed, waking up at night, effort at night in the form of tahajjud, in the form of qiyamul layl. This has a very powerful effect on weakening the ego and the desires of the lower self. What? It smashes. It smashes the nafs. وَأَقْوَى muqila And the tahajjud in the qiyamul layl has a powerful effect in ensuring that you speak correctly. Tahajjud at night has an effect on making sure that we speak correctly. And what's other benefit? That it squash, we squash our nafs. إِنَّ لَكَ فِي النَّهَارِ سَبْحًا طَوِيلًا O Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Indeed you have a very long swim to do Swimming A long swimming in the day You have to swim between people and masses So tahajjud is necessary to be able to do the work of the day If Rasulullah sallallahu is being told That tahajjud is necessary for his swim What was his swim? His swim was all about guiding people towards Jannah 
inviting people towards the truth. Imagine every time you and I go to corporate world, corporate America, you go to work from 9 to 5 in your cubicle, you go to college in, 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 in the college campus, you go through the high school and the hallways of a high school. Imagine what type of swim that is. And imagine the corrosion our heart suffers when we go in that environment. Imagine the need and the necessity of preparing ourselves every night before we go through that. If Rasulullah is being told that you have to do your Qiyamul Layl half of the night, three-fourths of the night, or two-thirds of the night, but you have to do it because this is necessary before you jump and swim during the day. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَذْكُرِ اسْمَ رَبِّكَ Glorify the name of your Lord. Do dhikr. Say, La ilaha illallah. Say, Allah. Say, Subhanallah. Say, Alhamdulillah. Say, Allahu Akbar. وَذْكُرِ اسْمَ رَبِّكَ Take the name of your Lord and glorify Him. وَتَبَتَّلْ إِلَيْهِ تَبْتِيلًا And cut yourself off from everything else and connect yourself towards Him. This is called tabattul. Tabattul is al-inqita'anil makhluq wal-ittisalu billah. To disconnect yourself from the creation and connect yourself for the creator, towards the, with the creator. That's tabattul. And so that's what we've been ordered in the Quran to do. This does not mean to become a monk and go live in a monastery. But rather it means that our heart must not be connected with material things of this world. Our soul, mind, and heart should be connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We live in this world, we swim in this world, we drink and eat and sleep in this world, but our mind and our heart and our vision is with Allah in the akhirah. And the verses beautifully continue. I remember when we did the tafsir of this surah, if I don't know if any of you were there that day, but this was the week in which the pandemic had come through and the lockdown had started. And this ayat had a very special feeling because we were entering a phase of seriously tabatul, where the masjid was empty. And if I remember correctly, it was just myself and maybe one other person in the tafsir. Everyone was, whoever was listening was listening online. And the masjid was empty. Subhanallah. We thank Allah that He has brought us here after what we suffered. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jalla that He doesn't test us again. But this is tabattul. Tabattul is what you and I are doing here this, week, this weekend. This is something, a direct command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because this type of, of, of exercise is necessary for us to survive. Hudhayfa ibn al-Yaman radiallahu anhu mentioned in a hadith you know that he is the keeper of the secrets of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and you know that he was a, one of the most prolific narrators of the hadith regarding the end of times and the trials before the end of times he says that if you would like to know if you would like to know whether you or someone else has fallen into a fitna, a trial, a tribulation, 
Iza ahabba ahadukum an ya'lam asabathul fitnatu am la. If you would like to know whether you have you have fallen and slipped into a fitna or no, then falyanzur you need to ponder and ask yourself this question. What is that question? فَإِنْ كَانَ رَأَى حَلَالًا كَانَ يَرَاهُ حَرَامًا فَقَدْ أَصَابَتُهُ الْفِتْنَةِ If you begin to consider something halal, which you previously considered haram, then you have fallen into fitna. If you consider something halal and permissible, which you used to consider impermissible previously, then you have fallen into fitna. وَإِنْ كَانَ يَرَى حَرَامًا كَانَ يَرَاهُ حَلَالًا فَقَدْ أَصَابَتْهُ And if there was something previously that you regarded permissible, but now you, have, you are regarding that impermissible, then you have fallen into fitna. This hadith that I came across recently really hit me hard. And I said, wow, it's really like Hudayfa radiallahu anhu is sitting here watching our world and what is happening in society by the general public and the laity as well as the learned ones. And it's, he's given us the golden rule. Do you want to know whether you or the one who you listen and follow have fallen to a fitna or not? How have your opinions changed? What has happened in the past few decades? Were they things that you thought were absolutely not permissible and now you think it's okay? Well, guess what? You have fallen into fitna. Where does music fall into this category? Where does music fall into this category? Where do mixed gatherings fall into this category? In Islamic events, get-togethers. Was this something that a person, subhanAllah, I was speaking to one of the guest speakers, he came here a few years ago. He was in the, it was college in the late 90s and early, in early 2000s. He said in our MSA meetings, we used to have a parda out in the East Coast. And he said, that's how it used to be. And then he said, we had men and women on the meetings. He said, literally, if you were to bring up the women in front of us, we would never know who was on the board. We had never actually seen them. Even though we're sitting in the same meeting for the whole year, we had never actually looked at them in their face. And probably they never saw the men either. That was just 20 years ago. And now, subhanAllah, it's crazy. I have high school students coming to me and say, what do I do, Shaykh? The president, well, just recently, a couple weeks ago, a youngster came to me and said, what should I do? President, vice president are making out in school. What can I do? What should I do about it? Oh. And president or vice president is coming out of the closet. This has happened also. MSA president, coming out of the closet. And is coming to argue about this issue, to say, how is this wrong? All the previous presidents had illicit relationship. I'm just having with someone of the same gender. So how does that make it any worse? Well, this was the, the logic. MSA president. And another one, subhanAllah, presiding all over the entire conference without even having the decency of wearing a hijab. What has happened, well, not, it's not the actions of the people, it's the fact that these things have become acceptable. And no one is there to raise their voice, raise a finger and say, have you lost your wits? What, what's going on? You can do whatever you want, but how can we do it in the name of Islam? So when opinions start changing, public opinion on certain things, as well as the opinion of knowledgeable people, 
that you got to give a pass. You got to give this a pass. You got to give that a pass. Things, th- times are changing. Times are different. We can't be that strict anymore, etc., etc. What has happened, we can't say about the whole world, but we can say about our own selves that we have fallen into a fitna. This is scary. So that is the direction of the world. The majority will be going towards the opposite side. And people, if we want to make sure we don't fall into fitna, we have to disconnect ourselves from that society and that culture and that majority for a few days, for a few hours. And sit in a gathering like this. And say, okay, I am here to come do a master reset. Believe it or not, most people, mashallah, or many people, they are willing to listen. They're willing to understand still. There's so much khair in the world. Just a few days ago, I was speaking to some college youth about the whole issue of gender interaction. And they were listening. And they said, you know what? You are 100% right. This is, should not be permissible. We never, we never thought it was permissible. But now, we stopped thinking of it as bad because we saw knowledgeable people doing these type of things. And they said, initially we thought it was wrong, so we even asked one knowledgeable person, is this right? Is there really proof for this type of sitting and this type of uh, you know, method of doing things? And the teacher said, yeah, don't worry about it, just trust me. That was his answer. Just trust me. And he said, well, you know, I mean like, yeah, he quotes Qur'an and Hadith, he recites Qur'an beautifully, he studied in some institution, so he definitely knows probably more than I do. So we just then gave up listening to our conscience which kept on saying that this is wrong. But hearing from you makes, it, makes us realize that, you know what, we were right. This isn't right. This just isn't right. But what's going with the rest of the world? Why is everyone going that direction? So there's going to be a lot more things as we move forward. Look at the Catholic Church. Look at the Mormons. Look at um, you know, not the, 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 the uh, people of the Jewish community. What has their opinions on the LGBTQ, how it's moved in the past 20, 30 years? All of them. What are their opinions? How strong they were about these issues and how they, where they stand today? What has happened? Asabatun fitna. Of course, fall into fitna. What makes us think that Islam and Muslims are not going through the same thing? Or rather, I should say Muslims. Exactly. Whatever happened there is happening here. That what we thought was absolutely haram 30 years ago, 20 years ago, unfortunately today is something, it's open and up for discussion. When it was never, ever open for discussion for the past 1500 years. But now everything is. My beloved brothers and sisters, if we do not disconnect ourselves from society, it will be almost next to impossible to recognize what's happening is wrong. We will become desynthesized. When I asked these youngsters, I said, please object to whatever I'm saying. Do I make sense? Like, no, you make 100% sense. I said, did you recognize that for the past year that you are part of all of this? They're like, no. We literally had become so desynthesized. What you're saying is something so obvious, but we just didn't see it. Because it's, we're surrounded by it all the time. So what's supposed to be wrong doesn't seem wrong anymore because it's been normalized. And so that's what I fear about myself and all of us here. That when we do not disconnect ourselves from that society that normalizes sin, we will no longer regard sin as sin. 
and before we know it, we will be involved and in, be, become perpetrators of that very same sin, which we would regard as absolutely a line we will never cross 20 years ago. So this is what you can say, one of the, better, one of the reasons rather, why this type of program is necessary for us to participate in. Along with increasing our dhikr, increasing our dua, uh, focusing on our tahajjud, etc., etc., fasting, is this idea, is that resetting of the moral compass and to say, truth is not relative. Ma'roof and munkar is not a relative term. These are objective terms. This is haq, this is batil. We have to compare it to the Qur'an and sunnah, not to what society says. What we compare ourselves, the yardstick is what the Qur'an and Sunnah say. Inshallah tabarak wa ta'ala, if with this intention we participate in this program, we will, in, although the time is short, but we will walk away with tremendous, tremendous benefit. Inshallah. And when we have disconnected ourselves from, for 24 hours from these distractions, what will happen? We will have begin to have time to focus on the big picture. Why is it that you see a huge amount of people accepting Islam from the prison population? One of the possible reasons is that they do not have the distractions that they did outside. And they have a lot of time to think and ponder in their cells. And when they do, they come to realize some big realities of life that they were not able to see prior to that. So you can take this ihtikaf as a prison cell If you want Alhamdulillah voluntarily in the house of Allah What could it be a better place than this? And let us make niyyah to do a longer ihtikaf In the month of Ramadan 10 days And there's not, it's not even limited to 10 You could even do more than that With the intention of doing this master reset Inshallah we will have On an ahsan speaking uh, now after, after before Aisha And he will be d- discussing from Bidayatul Hidayah A book of Imam Ghazali um, And he will be speaking about Connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And disconnecting from the creation Then we'll have Salatul Aisha And after that we'll have uh, Monana Tamim inshallah From California who will be uh, speaking We'll have some break time after that. There's a canteen available, dinner for sale, etc. And then we'll have a, a, a meditation session, dhikr and muraqaba, or meditation session. And then we'll have our evening surahs, time to recite those. And inshallah, we will do i'atikaf uh, in the masjid. We'll go to sleep. The sisters can go, return to their homes. Brothers will sleep here. And then inshallah, early tomorrow morning, we'll be up for uh, tahajjud. And... Uh, we will then inshallah have our suhoor We'll re- be reciting through uh, We'll be reciting through Al-Hizb Al-A'zam Al-Wurd Al-Afkham A book of du'as of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Inshallah We'll have time to make our own du'a And then we'll pray Salat Al-Fajr After that we'll have our uh, morning du'as and We'll recite Surah Yaseen and Manzil And we will have a short reminder by Mulana Mahtar We'll get some rest till 10 o'clock, 10.30 and then we will restart our, our sessions during the day. We have a workshop by Manur Uthman Akhtar on dua. The ins and outs of dua. And then we'll have a workshop by Sheikh Tamim on the spiritual dimensions of salah before Dhuhr. 
After Dhuhr, inshallah, I'll have an opportunity to share some words. After which we will do a khatm al-Qur'an. We'll all divide up some ajza of the Qur'an and, and it's based on how many people we are. You'll make one or two khatms of the Qur'an. Then we'll have a session with Mufti Suleiman Hamid on the external dimensions of salah. How to actually perform salah according to the sunnah of the Prophet Then we'll have time, some, some time for individual ibadah and break till asr. And after asr will be the final session with by Shaykh Tamim. Closing remarks, how to take what we gain from here back to our own communities. And we'll have a, a final dua before iftar. And after, after Salat al-Maghrib, there will be a take-home dinner for those who are uh, fasting, inshallah, and they will return back. Before you know it, the day will be over. So we need to ensure that every single moment is utilized absolutely properly. So I, I request those who did not make intention to spend the night here, Wallahi, we have slept thousands of nights at home. And inshallah, you'll have many more thousands to sleep at home. Just give one this one night to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if you did not bring your bedding, you can go back home after Isha and go grab it and come back. But let's not deprive ourselves of this opportunity to spend in such a beautiful environment uh, for this time. We only have about a month exactly or, or a little bit, little bit more than a month, maybe 35 days or so till uh, Ramadan. So this would be a great, um, uh, great opportunity each child do that. So uh, now before I hand it over to Shaykh Ahsan, I'm going to read with you uh, the evening du'as inshallah. And we can uh, recite this together. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to be reading very slow. You can look at there. If it's too fast for you, no problem. You can say Ameen. You can say Ameen. Otherwise, you can follow along, inshallah, with, uh, uh, with what is here. You can read the translation in English if you wish. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> 